It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Upfront program. And uh, everyone is different. <laughs> Every day is different. Uh, today, I asked uh, Tom Ward to uh, join us, uh, publisher of the Valley Breeze. He's in studio uh, with us. We're going to chat with him about uh, the situation. That's about uh, the best way to describe it. Tom, thank you for uh, coming by and uh, saying hello to us. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. All right. I guess so. The first thing I wanted to ask you about, because I want to be true to my uh, little note that I sent you, is I want to talk about, um, shall we say, new directions uh, in journalism. I certainly know um, in terms of uh, radio station operations, we're running a, a different ship than we are, well, we did run six weeks ago. It's a whole different ball game. Uh, but uh, I think the question I'm going to be asking you is uh, probably... What uh, we're going to talk about in the first part of the program has been evolving coronas, uh, a coronavirus or not. And um, so I, uh, I read with interest uh, and a well-written uh, story by Ethan Shorey in, in the current edition of the Valley Breeze. Um, so he says that we ask readers to invest in local news where possible. And he really talked about something that I've been concerned about for a about a decade, and then as time goes on, it really is troubling me more and more, is where do we get our news locally? I know in some markets, there is no local news uh, available. Uh, and and here we have um, local news available, and, and then this uh, corona interferes uh, with it, and it's kind of changed the dynamics. All right, so I'm uh, rambling about. Uh, maybe you can pick it up and explain what is um, what is going on in in print journalism these days. Well, it's it's bad, and uh, it's uh, you know the situation is that uh, many advertisers, many businesses, rightfully have said, you know, they're taking a time out, <clears throat> and um, they're saying there's too much unknown here. This is this is new for everybody. I mean, uh, you know, I. I go back to 19... Say, you know, people are talking about 9-11 and all these other things. This is far worse than anything I've ever seen in my career going back to 1977. Um, it, although, locally, it's closest to Marquette. I mean, that, that was kind of a, a big shutdown locally. Um, and I think I'd, I'd compare it to that as probably the closest situation where businesses suddenly are either out of money or, in this case, out of customers... Um, are forced to shut their doors, and so obviously they're not going to advertise. They don't have much to advertise, um, and so um, it's a it's a really difficult situation. As I said, the worst I've seen. So so what happens, um, and and what do you do about it? Well, you you try. You might downside. You know, in the past you just do layoffs and things like this, but then you've got the government saying. We think we can turn this around quickly. We'd like to turn it around quickly. We'd like to give you money to pay your employees so that you come back whole on the other side. All right. That's a good idea. I supported that. Um, the, the, I, I certainly personally supported making people whole. I'm not, I'm not sure about the $600 bonus. I think that's going to have a very negative consequence. And it already is in that people are saying, well, I don't want to work. You know, lay me off. And it's like, well, no, I still need you. Uh, it's like, well, then then you get angry at the boss because you want to be laid off because you get a big raise. So the government's messed that up, but that's no surprise. Um, um, you know, I, I would have loved to see a program that says make their paycheck whole. You know, as we all know, unemployment, you'll get less than your paycheck. Well, find a way to figure out what the pay, average paycheck was square it up but now we've given people raises so they don't want to work so that's dumb but that's what government does so so um uh you know so what's happened to the valley breeze or all media is a lot of people pulled in their horns and stopped advertising now 
the breeze has a lot of fixed costs. Um, all newspapers had a lot of fixed costs, and, and you know they're different than radio in that first of all we print thousands of copies of papers um, that cost a lot of money, um, and secondarily we have a typically a newsroom that would be bigger than a radio newsroom or even bigger than a TV newsroom. It's a lot of people, and a lot of people collect news, and it costs money, and and. Um, uh, you know that that model has worked. Um, it is it has begun to break down before COVID. It began to break down with Facebook and Google and Snapchat and all the rest of the stuff. In other words, where do the eyeballs go? Well, they go where they go. People choose what they want to look at. And um, in the past <clears throat> decade, especially, a lot of people have chosen to spend a lot of time on Facebook. Or, or YouTube or things like that. And so, uh, and, and perhaps less time, and not that they consider it less valuable, the Valley Breeze, Woonsocket, Call, NRI, you know, the people still segmented and did all of it. But the amount of time spent was different. You know, back in, when I was a kid, when, I, when the Woonsocket Call came to the house and the Providence Journal came to the house, I just happened to like newspapers. I happened to like current events and news. And so I spent a lot of time with those. And then I, you, you watched your 6 o'clock local news. You watched your 6.30 national news. That was it. There was nothing else out there. You know, now you can sit in front of a TV for 24 hours when cable came along and watch, uh, you know, it started with CNN, 24-hour cable news. Um, so, so the times have been shifting since the 80s, I think, um, where all these new things came along. And then the Internet really blew it up with this so much time to spend doing other things. <clears throat> and, um, and so whether it was newspapers or I, I think radio, I know television, they became smaller pieces of an ever-expanding pie. You know, the economy was getting better where there were smaller pieces. But then you have an event like COVID where, especially for a paper like the Valley Breeze, because the Valley Breeze is free. So we get all the money comes from advertisers, not only to pay the staff, but to but to print the paper and distribute the paper, all of it. Um, and so, you know, along comes this black swan, this unexpected event that really... Um, hits the paper and I, I should point out now I don't know the extent of the damage while I'm still publisher in name I'm down to my last month or so um, and so the business end of it is handled by other people so I don't know exactly the extent of um, what's happened um, but it, I, you know, I know it's not good um, so all the costs are still there where for instance with a one socket call a Providence Journal they still have subscribers who pay them money that usually, by my calculations, and I don't know for sure, but by my calculations, subscribers giving you money pretty much pays for the printing. So the printing is a wash, you know, at least a wash. Maybe it makes some money, but it's, it's, it's a wash. So that goes away, and, and the call of the journal then still has to look, for, look at other fixed costs, taxes, things like that, you know, oil, heat, all the things you need to do, um, as well as their employees. And so they, they make adjustments. In the case of the breeze, it's more difficult. Now, COVID came along, and getting to your point about the, the column, um, uh, what happened in that column, if, if you didn't read it, was that uh, Ethan Shorey and Jamie Quinn, Jamie's my deputy publisher, he's been with me forever. Ethan's been with the breeze, I think, at least 15 years, and is now the editor. And they co-wrote a column that essentially said, we might need some help here, people. Um, maybe you want to make a donation because it's, it's getting a little tight. Now, some people, I had one friend reach out to me and say, oh, my God, are things that desperate? The answer is no. Um, what happened is that it accelerated. When, when I was selling the paper, I spoke as honestly as I could to the gentlemen who were buying the paper saying, look, here's where I think the landmines are, here's the trends, here's some of the things I think you might need to do. And one of them was, um, I think the day is going to come, if you just look at the big picture, that you're going to have to find a way to get money from readers. Because advertising is continuing to get more difficult. 
Well, how do you get money from readers? Well, you put up paywalls on websites. You make a more robust website, but then you 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 know you might put special copy behind the website, a certain website, but then you charge for it, or you have memberships or, or things like this. And other newspapers are doing it. And they're doing it successfully, and so we all kind of nodded and said, "Yep, that down the road we're thinking of doing that or something similar to that or whatever." I said, "Good." Um, you know, my personal preference is to still have a free website, but it's very much Valley Breeze light. It's not the best. It's not the newest. Um, and then the best and the newest and the videos and all the rest of it go behind a paid paywall. That's what I would do. Um, but I'm not sure what decisions they're making or, or conclusions they're coming to. But I think that I think the model is is going to evolve over time anyway. And it has for many, many papers. Um, where they figure they've got to get some money um, in other new ways because uh, pr- some of the print advertising has, has eroded. So, so that's what that's what the decision they were left with. But then COVID came along and accelerated it, and so they said, you know what, we're just going to put it out there that if people would like to help support local journalism, because that's what it is. It's not supporting. The Valley, you know, it supports what the Valley Breeze does. You know, we have reporters out there where people are not going to go to meetings free of charge and write up stories, independent stories, not propaganda, but independent stories of what happened at that meeting. Um, and, you know, sometimes you tick off the politicians, sometimes you make them happy. That's just the nature of the business. But to have that kind of independent out, writing out there costs money. And it costs a lot of money. And, and, um, so, you know, because at the Breeze, people have jobs, they have pay, they have health care, they have IRA, you know, they have all the things that make it a good job because they're good people and they deserve to be fairly paid. And so, um, so essentially that, that letter said, if you can help, please do, because these are, this is a rough patch that we're going to have to get through. Um, we would like some money. And, and, and I guess my point is, for 24 years, we've given you this wonderful, award-winning, very good product for free. And now we're asking you, if you can, to step up $5, $20, $100. Maybe just throw a little bit in the kitty to help keep it going to get us through this COVID thing to the next uh, level. Um, I know the plan is not to become a paid paper. I know that I know there's none of those things are are in play, um, but everything's going to have to be in play because if if the model is that advertising moves on to Facebook or Google or wherever it goes, you know, and I mean local ad dollars, little guys around here start to spend a lot of money on those platforms. Well, then there'll be less for the Valley Breeze or WNRI or anybody. And um, and then we just have to adjust or we go under. And, you know, I, I know you're going to have to break for a commercial no. at a certain point. I'm just going. You just you, give you, me a wave. You go ahead. I have a, a comment after okay. you're done. Yep. Okay. But when when um, when that day comes, it's, it's now that actually that day has begun where many papers across the country are simply shutting down and nothing replaces it. And um, those, they're called news deserts. They have a word for them now where people are saying, we don't have a newspaper. And, and I think they, a lot of people think that they're just used to newspapers. And they think, well, there's always going to be a paper. Someone will pick up the mantle, a new person will pick it up or whatever. And it's like, no, not if there's no money in it, they won't. They're not going to do it for free. So, um, so across the country, there are thousands of papers that have closed already. Um, and now with this crisis, even the U.S. Congress, which I have mixed feelings about, but Congress, the Senate, and I know David Cicilline has been supportive of, of legislation that says we want to bail out newspapers because we can't just have small all these newspapers go under. Now, again, mixed feelings about that. But, but the point is, even the Congress is realizing the value of a free press, the importance of a, an independent free press, and the fact that Google and Facebook, specifically them, are putting everyone under. And, and, um, and you know, unchecked, my guess is it would damage the breeze. You know, again, they're going to have to keep uh, working at it. But, but these guys are 
putting everyone under. And and as I say to people, look around the little league fields when we have little league baseball again. You ever see a Facebook on a kid's chest? You ever see Google on a kid's chest? Do you think they're going to support local little league? No, they're just massive corporations sucking the money out of communities like a big vacuum cleaner. And um, and when the money goes, it goes. You know, we always talk about buy local. I know, Roger, you've been very supportive of buy local. We've been very supportive of buy local. Well, Google and Facebook and social media just suck the money right out of the community. And there is no local about it. And when the money goes, the money goes. And and so, um, so while they have their place, um, they are very destructive. And so... I think what happened in the, is the breeze here decided to put out that appeal, just just to say, you know, we're at, we're in a tough patch here. It's a, and I can tell you, it's the toughest. I'm not the owner anymore, but it's by far the toughest patch I've ever seen. I went through 9/11. I went through 2008, 2009. This is way worse than anything I ever saw. When you're opening up your remarks, though, I was going to remind you of another tough patch that you had to consider uh, 25 years ago. Uh, will I be able to print 10 editions of the Valley Breeze <laughs> and survive? Because yeah. I knew you weren't 100% sure it was going to be successful. No, not at all. I, you know, like everyone who starts a business, you you, you hope for the best. And, and you put them out there. And, you know, I remember that first week. And, and um, you know, standing in the Dunkin' Donuts line. You know how people drive to the drive-up and mm-hmm. then they're stuck? Mm-hmm. You have a captive audience. And so I went Were to they the... going to pick it up? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I shoved it to him. I was like, okay, this is me, and I have a new paper, and I, I got rid of hundreds of papers that way. Before we go to our break, though, um, uh, on this topic, and then we'll, we'll go to uh, other worlds, um, one of the uh, models out there that's been around for years and people are perfectly okay with it is they have a television set, and they're watching Channel 4, Channel 7, Channel 10, and never thinking of sending them a dime. They go down to Channel 2, and they write a check. So there's a concept out there that, if properly sold, that says, is this service that we offer valuable enough for you to go into your pocket and become a benefactor rather than a subscriber? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who just believes in the concept that this is good for uh, for everybody, and uh, I don't know if um, if that can be pulled off in uh, in the print uh, industry, but I, I certainly um, it, it, I could be uh, very easily uh, a, a benefactor to that. But I don't know how the general public feels. No, I you agree. probably have a better idea. I agree. No, you, you you don't know until you do it, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, as a matter of fact, we're benefactors to Channel Two. Meanwhile, the federal government's writing of a check for a billion dollars as part of a bailout. Um, but um, uh, but you're right. I mean, they that's that's the model they grew up with, and they've they've perfected it. Um, and uh, but you know, Channel Ten, Channel Twelve, they're all dependent entirely on advertising, and um, and you know they they do well, but they've certainly been hurt by this too. Uh, you know, a lot of car dealers are closed, and that's a big part of the money that you make in a TV station. And uh, those car dealers have all cut back uh, or, or eliminated. Um, and so, you know, everybody's struggling with this. Um, but um, I was watching Channel Ten last night, uh, and what they've done um, is quickly produced some very, very um, uh, not highly produced ads for lumber companies. And, and they're out there selling uh, discount patch- packages mm-hmm. to fill in for um, the restaurants uh, and the other ones that they they have lost. You can tell that these are brand new to television. They've never been on advertising before. They'll call somebody out in Western Coventry uh, with a business and say, hey, for a couple of thousand dollars, we're going to get you uh, right in the 6 o'clock news, and yeah, that's exactly is, what they're doing. Yeah, this is your big chance kind of thing. Back in a uh, moment. There's a church nearby where members are kind and friendly. 
may we invite you to attend services at the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Services are now available on Facebook or Skype on the Internet. Call 658-2748 for information on seeing us online. It's the church where you can hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent, confess, and be baptized. Join us this week for our prayer and Bible study, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday services at 1 p.m. Our sermons are understandable to grow you in faith and available online. Again, we are the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting you on your journey of salvation, with services now available on Facebook and Skype. Services conducted by Pastor Marcus Warren. The following message is from Kay's Restaurant, Woonsocket. We are in uncharted waters at this time, but we thank our local, state, and federal leaders for their efforts in trying to get us back to where we should be. We don't know when that's going to happen, but we pray it happens soon. And during this unfortunate situation, we thank you so very much for coming to Kay's and ordering takeout. But this is a much broader community concern. There are many other Woonsocket area restaurants and businesses that deserve our support. They're the same businesses that give out gift cards and gift certificates to our community organizations. So look around and see what you can do to support our business community. And stay safe and follow the guidelines that officials are offering for responsible behavior. And when it's all over, we'll be better people for it. From the Lahus family, God bless. The wastewater treatment plant of the city of Woonsocket is reminding customers not to flush wipes of any kind into the system. And although the packaging might say flushable, they should never be flushed down the toilet. Only flush the three P's, poop, pee, and paper. Flushable wipes are not truly flushable. They might go down, but they do not break up like regular toilet paper. If you do use paper towels or wipes, throw them into your trash cans. Remember, wipes of any kind can clog our sewer systems and even harm your home's plumbing. The practice of flushing wipes is causing problems at the treatment plant and unnecessary expenses to the city of Woonsocket. This announcement presented by the Woonsocket Wastewater Treatment Facility. Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm announces, while we have paused in-store shopping for now, we have curbside pickup daily during our regular business hours, Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sundays, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Milk, cream, eggs, cheese, bread, ice cream, cakes, and more than 70 of your favorite bakery items are available every day for pickup. There are three ways to order. One by phone, call the farm at 401-767-3014, extension 4, to place your order. Pay by credit card and select a pickup day and time. Two, on site. Order from your car, online or over the phone. Wait in your vehicle while our team in real time fills your order. Wait times may vary. And number three, to view our current menu and place an order online or to view frequently asked questions, go to rightsdairyfarm.com. Stay safe while we work through these unusual times. This message from Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm, North Smithfield. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Upfront program, chatting with uh, Tom Ward, Valley Breeze, about the industry, the newspaper uh, industry, and uh, and uh, its uh, long-term uh, uh, outlook, and maybe for short-term outlook too. Uh, but uh, there are other things uh, to uh, to talk about uh, with Tom, and uh, that is um, the coverage of of this story that's uh, that's going on uh, worldwide. It's interesting. Um, so many times when we talk about things, uh, they're either local or regional or national. This is global. Uh, so you want to talk about Spain? Fine. Want to talk about uh, the USA? Yeah. Uh, northeast region. Anyway, Mr. Cuomo, governor of New York. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Cuomo, governor of New York, uh, says um, that uh, they're starting to think about a plan to get um, industry, um, commerce, business uh, back uh, back in place. I know you don't have any of the answers to the questions that uh, I'm going to ask you. I'm just asking you opinions uh, based on you driving around and so forth. Uh, the governor talks about May 8th. Some people talk about Memorial Day. 
some people talk about um, about uh, June, um, late June. I don't know where. Uh, where do you see uh, this going, Tom? Well, <clears throat> you're hitting on the topic of my column, so you'll get a preview rant. Um, I, I think it's high time that they get moving on this, and and uh, so I'm glad. You know, I, I I wrote the column pretty much in my head and a little bit on on Monday morning, and then the discussion began about um, uh, moving this forward, beginning to reopen. Now, it's not very quick, but my rant was based upon, and my column is based upon the fact that uh, it was a Ted Nisi column. He writes a column on Saturday morning, Ted's from Channel 12. And his column was that that, uh, Dr. Scott, well, Dr. Scott and the governor were there, and somebody asked the governor... What are, you ta- what are you saying to a bride who might have a 50 or 60 or 80 person wedding? When do you think she'll be able to have that? And Governor Romando said, well, I think fall is probably a pretty good guess. And then she looked over at Dr. Scott, who, was sa- who said, no way. And that was the basis of my column. If, if the governor and Dr. Scott, and I think that was, a, that was a, a, a glimpse into Dr. Scott's take on this. She's a doctor, and I'm sure she's very accomplished and very professional. This is not a knock on on Dr. Scott, but it sort of is, in that she comes at it, I believe, just from a health perspective, without, you know, the governor's perspective on, we have to open this economy. We can't keep doing this. And by the way, hospitality is the worst hurt industry, and summertime is Rhode Island's biggest season with hospitality, and, um, you know, restaurants and, you know, hotels and all of that stuff. It's a ton of money. And um, now I can, even I know it won't be up and fully operational. And, and people, visitors may not feel comfortable coming this summer. I think a lot of people are probably going to take the summer off and stay close to home and things like that. So we're going to be harmed tremendously, no matter what. Um but I think uh, I think the gov- I'm glad to hear you know yesterday it was announced that they're, they're talking about some regional compact to open things up because they really have to. Um, this this idea of shutting this state down for something I understand what they were trying to do, but I think it was an overreach. I think it was you know they, they're just they're killing people's civil liberties. I understand what they're trying to do, but. You know, when you hear Trump or somebody else say the cure is worse than, worse than the disease, I think that's true. Um, let's just, we've all heard the numbers from Dr. Scott. I'm going to put, you, put them in a perspective that I didn't think about, didn't have room in my column. Let's just say everybody in the state of Rhode Island can fit into the dunk. Now, we have a million people. The dunk seats 15,000. So we've all been to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. 15,000 seats. Providence College against the number one team. It's rocking. It's full. 15,000 people. Okay. If you did the equivalent of 1 million to 15,000, it's about 66 people uh, per, per one. Represents one person. Okay. So I hope you people are following. The listeners are following me. If we do that, here's the status of Rhode Island so far. We've had about... 45 people out of the 15,000 get sick or or have COVID. 45 people. We've put five people into the hospital. You're doing ratios here. Ratios, yeah. Three people are still in the hospital and one person has died. That's the extent of the problem so far. Now, public officials will say, well, yeah, because that's called we've behaved well. Absolutely true. I, I give them credit for all the social distancing and stuff like this. But there's only two cures here. There's a vaccine, which they keep telling this is 18 months to two years out. Or herd immunity, which is you let people mix together. They get the bug. In most cases, the bug does nothing. But in some cases, it gets you. And in other most cases, you know, the next most cases, people get sick. They get a minor flu. Uh, and then some people get really sick, and then and then some people pass away. For the most part, the most of the people who are passing away are not so much nursing homes. They are nursing homes now, but because they're confined. But they're elderly. It's older people. I'm in the target. 
you know, 67 years old, uh, overweight, high blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. You know, I got a mark on my back. So, so, so I, you know, I'm being careful. But, but the fact is, that's how big the problem is. That, that essentially 45 people so far um, have, have gotten sick out of the 15,000 in the dunk. One has died and three are in the hospital. And so the question is, do we really want to crush the economy for, the, for that? One of the things, and I'm going to get in trouble here, but what the heck, I'm at the end of my career. One of the quotes that has bothered me from politicians more than any was, if it's worth saving even one life, it's worth doing. What a crock that is. I mean, you have to balance that one life versus the damage and destruction you're causing to other people to businesses i mean there are business owners we've only begun to see the extent of this damage it's just beginning i mean in america we have the money thankfully to write checks to people again which i support you know the waitresses the people in the in the tenuous jobs i i support that because you know short term we need uh, to help but imagine the rest of the world well they don't have money for this stuff and and um the damage, the global, there's going to be a global depression. That, that, to me, that's obvious. And, and, um, and we've only begun to see the impact of this. But in Rhode Island, um, I just think of all the people who are my customers and your customers who, who are suddenly, there's nobody, nobody prepares for no income. I mean, if your place burns down, you have no income, but you call the insurance company and they write you a check. Um, you know, business interruption insurance. Nobody has business interruption insurance for this. Nobody plans for zero income. And so the amount of pain that's out there now, you know, I think people intellectually get it and the governor will say, I understand how much pain that. I don't think you really do. I, I, I think people don't see how much, how much pain is going on out there. And so I call on the governor to step it up, to, to, to within reason... I mean, maybe a few more people get sick, but I think it's time to speed up the reopening of the economy and get people back to work in specific industries or whatever as soon as possible. I, you know, I don't know what I would do if I owned a restaurant because they're going to ask you if you have room for 100. They're going to say, well, we only want 40 people in here and turn up your ventilation. Well, okay, so what do you charge for those? You know, do you put an extra charge of $5 on the meal and say, look, we're, we're trying to stay afloat here because you're counting on 100 people in the seats. You can't have 100 people. What's the stadium theater? We all love the stadium theater. What is the stadium theater going to do? They can't reopen and have a show with 200 people in the seats spread out because now you have to quintuple the price of a ticket to be able to pay the act or whatever. So what is the stadium theater going to do? Um, this is, these are all really, really difficult questions. And, um, and I, I'm glad the governor is finally moving on to doing this because this cannot keep going on. I'm also glad people are fighting back because uh, I saw a letter in the Providence Journal the other day from a man who was, I think he was about 75 years old. And he said, look, I'm not a kid. I'm not a spring breaker. I go walk into the beach. We all stay away from one another. And you have the audacity to say that you're going to send cops down to the beach and round us up and tell us to get out. And I agree with that writer. I mean, this is ridiculous. For God's sakes, he's walking on the beach. And, you know, his point was, this is my therapy. I know enough if someone's coming toward me that we kind of separate a little bit. It's a windy morning. I mean, come on. Come on. we got to use common sense here. You know, golf, fishing. What are we going to do? Summer's here. Or it's it's getting well, not this week, but it's getting close. And and so, at a certain point, you're going to have to let the prisoners out of prison. I, I mean, by prisoners, I mean us, not the people at the ACI. And and um, and and you know, let us out and let us enjoy life. It won't be the same anyway because a lot of people are going to be timid about going out. They're going to be a little bit afraid. They're going to be careful. People are going to be more careful for the next six months, even if you let us out. We just are because we've, we're not going to go back to the way it was. So um, I think the governor has to, has to be aware of that and, and let the economy get started again because this can't go on. 
For those who can't go for a walk on the beach, uh, I highly recommend the Netflix uh, three-season series called Ozark. Have you, no. have you heard of this? Three-season? No. Three seasons, ten episodes, 31-hour episodes. <laughs> I'd have to learn to use the remote. <laughs> I heard I heard, <laughs> I heard. you talk about that. As I said to my wife, I, you know, all men expect to go first, and that's fine with us. Um, but I said to my wife, I said, oh, my God. If uh, if anything ever happens to you, I'm just going to be sitting on the sofa pushing this button until death do us part. I don't know what to do. Here's a caller. Uh, your comment, please, uh, please. Uh, good, good morning. I'll be brief. Uh, Thomas, your brother, John, and congratulations on your retirement, pending retirement. Thank you. Um, my brief comment is looking, you were just discussing ratios, and I know you mentioned the numbers 45 and 5 and 1. Uh, out of 15,000, if you equated it to the entire state. But the, uh, the number you didn't mention was, based on the unemployment claims, uh, the number of unemployed out of that 15,000, I believe, would be about 3,000. Yeah. Because yeah, you're right. I believe there's about 200,000 people that are unemployed or filed claims in the last month. Wow. Um, so uh, take that against your 45, 5, and 1, and you get a sense of the economic impact versus the health impact. Right. And, and um, Yep. Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up because you're right. It, that's what it would be: three thousand, you know, suddenly unemployed. Of fifteen thousand in the dunk, three thousand are suddenly unemployed, and and um, versus you know the numbers I gave about one death and and all this stuff. Um, that that's that's the point I'm trying to make to the governor, and I know she knows it. Actually, I think I'm trying to make the point to the readers. It's like. Do you understand how much damage is being done here for to, to prevent this from happening to a small population? And as, I, as I've said a couple of times, I said, do you ever look at the curves? You know, and they say, oh, we're going to flatten this curve. And, and you look at the curves, you flatten it, but you lengthen it. You, you make it worse for a longer period of time, months longer. And, and that, that's what makes a, a quick rebounding economic recovery impossible. Because there are going to be so many limitations placed on businesses because without a vaccine, there'll have to be limitations placed on businesses in the minds of those who govern. And so businesses will not come rebounding back full of vim and vigor. They'll slowly and gradually recover. And they still have to get over the psychological impact on people because even thinking about something as simple as a council meeting or, in the case of Lincoln, the financial town meeting, even if we're given permission to do it, um, will people be willing to come sit in that room to participate? It's highly unlikely that you'll get large crowds of anyone anywhere, and as you mentioned, the stadium theater. So, you know, I think we've, we've crossed a barrier that we're not going to easily get, you know, recover from, and uh, no matter what happens now, but it, it's, uh, as you say, you, you have to measure what you lose against what you give up and um i don't i don't have an answer i just i just share your frustration yeah but i thought i'd throw my two cents in thank yeah, you no, so thank you have a good show bye-bye thanks before we break you brought it up it was on my um question sheet uh aci prisoner release uh same happening in bristol county um uh in massachusetts uh, out of their correction facilities some of them sex offenders. Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, I I don't know why we just can't leave them in jail. Uh, uh, I think that's um, you know a, an appropriate place. But uh, maybe I'm I'm just too conservative. I want to ask a liberal like yourself. <laughs> well, I guess my my I mean we just heard about rapid testing um and how the governor is all excited about putting rapid rapid testing in nursing homes so we know who's sick and who's not and we can separate them out so i guess i would say why don't we do the same thing for aci prisoners why in the world are we going to take aci prisoners and bring them back out into the community when people let's not say nursing home but let's just say assisted living people who are perfectly uh, able why are they confined to quarters and and um you know, why are we treating, you know, because I, I think under this circumstance, which is the worst possible circumstance, that, that people are getting sick and can't visit their loved ones. I mean, I'm going through this. I have, I have one aunt in a nursing home, 
and one aunt in, uh, and my mother-in-law in assisted living. And, um, and I don't blame administration. They're, you know, they're under the direction of the state, and, and they've got to do what they're told. So I don't blame administrators. They're doing their best. But, um, you know, it, it's nonsense that, you, you, that there were no visitors. You can't bring a plate. You know, my mother-in-law was heartbroken when she said, you mean you can't even make a plate of food from Easter dinner and bring it to my, uh, to my apartment? No, we can't do that. That's, that's not allowed. And so, um, so, you know, so getting to your prisoner point, I guess it's like, I, I think we should treat prisoners just the way we treat people in nursing homes and people in assisted living centers, exactly the same. No one's letting them out. So uh, why is it any different? Uh, why, why are those people advocating for prisoners and not for uh, people in senior homes? A few comments from the audience, and then we'll do a commercial break. Um, your comment, please. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I interpret the uh, rule on uh, beaches uh, a little bit different. Um, in other words, the way I see it, you can't drive and park your car at the beaches. You can walk the beaches all you want as long as you uh, have a distance between your friends. You can't throw a blanket on the beach and have a picnic with five or six people. So in, the way I see it, then... Uh, Walk the beach all you want, but keep a distance, and don't sit down together and have a little picnic. I think that's the rule. I think you're right about that, that they don't want gatherings on the beach. you got to get to the beach, though. <laughs> and, but, I mean, the whole idea of closing the parking lot is just to keep people out of the beach. And, you know, by the way, you've paid for that parking lot. And, and um, uh, you know, I just think, I, I personally think they're overreaching. That's all I'm saying, as I think they're going a bit too far, because it's the nanny state where they say, we need to take care of you people because you're too dumb to take care of yourselves. And what I'm saying is, we've been doing this for a month now. I think we're smart enough to, to separate when we're walking on the beach. I agree with you. If, 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 if the rule is about walking on the beach, but they're, but they're doing their level best to keep you away from the beach. Not allow parking, not allow, you know, ticket, ticketing the cars on side streets near the beach. Any, any, if you try to go around their heavy-handed rules, they will slap you around and, and, you know, give you a parking ticket or whatever. And I think that's where the overreach is too much. Well, I agree also that the, uh, some of the rules are inconsistent. In other words, uh, why can you, um, you know, drive up and get a coffee or drive up and get a, a, a bottle of wine but you can't drive up and, get, I guess, say, uh, uh, some palm from a priest or uh, uh, some other religious object. That, well, that you're, right, you're right about that. Uh, that. That doesn't make sense. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. Next caller, your comment, please. Well, I guess every, if you live in one socket, to heck with you, you can't go to the beach. You know what? If social distancing works in the store, why not let the cars park every third parking spot? Why is it that because I'm from Woonsocket, I can't go to the beach? Hey, Governor, to heck with you and your rules. You open up that beach for me because I'm just as deserving as anyone down, who lives down there, damn it. I'm still a citizen of Rhode Island. Let me in. Why should I get an extra pass because I live down in Narragansett, and if you live in Woonsocket, heck with you. Thank you, sir. Uh, his... Um He's called off, talked to you a few times before, but I think uh, I want to use his tone for my next question, and then we'll go to break, and that is people are getting fed up and they're getting, uh, uh, they, they're getting, uh, what are, did we, did we call them the heebie-jeebies? Cabin fever. <laughs> Cabin fever. <laughs> um, and, but anyway, uh, the tension is, is building up, and, and, and we've got to be concerned about, uh, shall we say, the morale of the general public. That, that's exactly right. And that's, and that, you know, that, like I said, that, that caller, um, uh, that was a display of it. Although I think, you know, he's exaggerating a little for effect, but he's right. Um, where where and that's kind of my point to the governor in, in in my column is you better move this forward because we are not going to sit around here forever just saying oh well governor knows best we'll just stay in the house oh well governor knows best we're not going to be babysat we're not going to be treated like children 
at a certain point, it's going to be like, because what could happen? Worst case scenario, we all just go back to everything tomorrow. You know what's going to happen? thousand extra people are going to die, most of them elderly, and we're all going to get herd immunity. And when we get herd immunity, we're all going to be cured. And that's going to be the end of it. So, so is that such a horrible, uh, you know, I, my, my thought was that the, what the governor was doing, again, for the, for the past three weeks, was building up capacity in hospitals and stuff, you know, get the ventilators, get the masks, get the, so, that, so that if things get bad, well, okay, again, I completely support that. It could have been an overwhelming and damaging situation this week, for instance, if we hadn't taken these precautions. So we took the precautions, and, and now it's flattening the curve. And, you know, now we're going to have beds everywhere and Lowe's and the convention center and whoever's connected. And, and um, so now we're ready for a surge. And, and so instead we're going to not have a surge with this gradual thing. So I, I don't know. I, you know, as, a, as I say in my column, the only way the governor continues this with a full-throated response to the public is because she knows she's going to get bailed out. And if Donald Trump says, we're not going to bail you out after June 1st, she'll change her tune real fast. Champ's liquors are key way for time being, door service only to avoid any health issues. Masks and sanitizing being used on a daily basis. Open 9 to 9, Sundays 12 to 6. Here's their message. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And the sale goes on on Kettle Vodka, $32.99 for the $1.75. 5 liter bottle and Bacati rum the 1.75 liter bottle is only 23.99 and we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light 30 pack 25.50 plus tax Champs Liquors for Keyway does high rise and senior complex delivery service too Champs Liquors for Keyway Clinton Street Woonsocket all right, I want to tell you about uh, the Broster House uh, right here in uh, in Woonsocket I was there uh, Friday night for Fish and chips, and now with uh, ye old English fish and chips, you're closing down for the time being. You might want to consider the Broster House. You know they they serve fish and chips two ways. They have um, English style fish and chips. That's what I had, but they also have their Broster one with uh, hardly any batter on it. All fish, uh, whatever way you like it, uh, very very popular. Now, the Broster House has been known for chicken, all. Uh, all my days, but um, they're pretty good on seafood, too. Open for takeout and curb pickup service and local delivery service, for that matter. You can find their menu at BrosterHouseRI.com, and we're open daily. We'll open at 3 o'clock this afternoon for your uh, dining convenience, the Broster House. Let me look at my little little log here and, um, and get one more message in here, and then we'll uh, try to fit in a couple of more calls with Mr. Uh, Mr. Ward in the studio. No, I can't find it. So be it. You said it was informal. <laughs> it we, is. we old guys do what we can. Yeah. If we forget something, oh, well, we forget something. <laughs> You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, we have a couple of callers waiting, so um, I turn on the old uh, speaker here and uh, just uh, make a comment and see if we can get... Uh, a back uh, back comment from Mr. Ward. Hello, what's your uh, remark? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? We're good. Good. Um, the comment that I was going to make is something I've brought up before to the Department of Health, and I think this gentleman that just called before me shows how people are getting upset about this. The, the WPRI, I guess, and people did a story recently that 55 out of 73 deaths were from nursing homes. We need, I think the public needs to know how many people in the communities actually have died, have the disease. and Because I, I think they would find that um, in Woonsocket in particular, the city has done extraordinarily well with very few cases out in the public. Congregate care facilities like nursing homes, um, hospitals, the assisted living facilities, the Section 8 elderly housing complexes, 
group homes, if you took that group out of the picture, how many people in the communities actually have it? And I think that, that number, if you took that number, that would bring the public to realize that, hey, maybe things can start to open up some and leave the stay at home in place still in those facilities. And I think, but I think, but you need the numbers. I can't say that for certain because you don't have the numbers because they're not sharing it with the public. And sure, I think looks that's like deliberate it's, on their part. Sure, looks like the numbers are leaning that way. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. One more call here. Hello. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Yes. Um, you know, I just do. You know who Tolbert Means with is? Do you have any idea? He led the most successful contracting choice effort in Africa during the Ebola epidemic. And his feeling was that we will never beat a virus like this one unless you get ahead of it. And America must not flatten the curve, but just get ahead of the curve. This is unprecedented. And Tom, you're right. We are going to lose people no matter what we do. Um, and don't be too anxious to get a, um, get rid of the 60-year-olds or what you consider elderly, because we're the ones that are going to be paying all the taxes with everything else that's <laughs> going to be going on. So remember that. Yeah. <laughs> all no, you I'm, people I'm, that I'm... don't have anything, it's going to be the retirements and all of this stuff that's going to pay for us getting through this. Thank no, you. No question. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. All right. We're at the uh, end of the road here goes by quickly with it that. does it does yeah no but thank you for uh, the invitation and i hope i um brought something to the table especially the the challenge for i think everyone in media today um you know a lot of people just in the case of the valley breeze they get it for free they get nri for free they get tv for free um and you're right that you know they don't quite realize um this costs a lot of money to gather news and when the news goes away god help you in your uh, column uh, that um, now I'm really anxious to read um, on Wednesday, uh, I guess Thursday, right, um, for me, um, you don't use the term collateral damage, though, right? Uh, or, or do you? Um, I don't this week. Um, I've, I've done it in the past. Um, I, you know, but in what, in what way? For, well, for in other words, uh, there is um, uh, always a price to pay if, in fact, you... Um, uh, you open up uh, restaurants or you uh, um, open up... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think there's no question that if we open up a little quick, more quickly, that more people are going to get sick. Mm-hmm. But you take that... You, I, at, the question is, if we... Lo- let's pick a number. Rhode Island might lose 100 more people if we do that. But everybody's on, families are on their feet and our mental health improves and everything is getting better is it worth those hundred lives? Well, that's, I hate to say it. Yeah, it kind of. That's is. why you put soldiers on the battlefield. That's right. <laughs> um, in a foreign country or, or wherever, for the for the good back yeah. home, and some of the soldiers. Yeah, yeah it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. Well, yeah. An interesting topic. Never thought I'd be talking about this in April of 2020, but uh, we are. Thank you, Tom, for accepting the invitation, and um, maybe we can f- fit you in one more time before uh, you. Uh, Hang up, um, let's see, uh, what do you hang up in uh, your I hang up officially on May 22nd. But do you hang up, you don't, you you can't hang up your microphone or earphones. No, I don't know what you do, put your pen down, I don't know. (laughs) Right, Uh, put the desk, put the pen in the desk. Good day everybody, bye-bye. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.